So the past few weeks, we've been talking about uh, the, the uh, life of Jesus, right? We've been diving into the Gospels, talking about the greatest moments in the life of Christ. And, uh, you know, I just want you to imagine for a moment what it must have looked like uh, to walk around with Jesus, right? Imagine following Jesus around. You know, on one hand, uh, it must have been a little stressful, right? You don't know where you're going to sleep at night. Uh, you're not sure how many Pharisees Jesus is going to upset that day. Uh, it may be a little stressful. But on the other hand, you know, imagine all the things you would learn. Imagine the love you would feel being around Jesus. And imagine all the miracles you would see. And as I thought, okay, what is the greatest moment in the life of Christ? I figured if I had ever raised someone from the dead, uh, that would probably be the greatest moment in my life. So what we're going to do, we're going to look at the resurrection of Lazarus this morning. In John chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus was now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. You know, imagine someone came to you and said, the one you love is sick, right? Uh, you know, my mind, I'm going to like, okay, maybe my wife, uh, you know, maybe my mother. Uh, but Jesus must have loved Lazarus deeply to understand exactly who they were talking about. In verse 4, it says, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. So uh, news comes to Jesus, right? He hears his buddy is sick. Uh, he's a little bummed about it, but he's like, okay, no big deal. Uh, it's not going to end in death. Things are going to be okay. And uh, I'm not sure about you, but I love just how chill Jesus is about the whole situation, right? Uh, he's just hanging out for two days, uh, not worried about it. And uh, I thought about Mark and his battle with cancer this past year. And uh, I couldn't help but notice how his uh, approach, his mindset was totally like Jesus. He was super chill about it, uh, making jokes about uh, the cancer. And, you know, this isn't part of my lesson. This isn't a point, but I'm just grateful for that type of example in my life. Just the, the trusting, the, uh, the faithfulness in that example. You know, again, Jesus, uh, you know, he comes with his disciples to Bethany, and they learn that Lazarus had been in the tomb for four days. You know, Jesus met with Martha and Mary, his sisters, and they take him to the tomb. And let's pick it back up in verse uh, 38 here. It says, Jesus 
once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took the stone away. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of those standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let that man go. You know, again, imagine what it must have been like to be with Jesus. Imagine being a witness to this resurrection. There is no doubt they had prayed for this moment many times. You know, I can imagine, you know, just waiting four days and all of a sudden this guy is coming out. This dead man is raised to life. You know, imagine if you were the one that wrapped him in linen. And now, all of a sudden, he's coming out, wrapped in linen, kind of like a mummy, right? Something off of a thriller video. His name is Jesus, Jesus Christ. You know, imagine what that would have looked like. You know, I can't help but wonder what Mary and Martha were thinking. Again, no doubt they had prayed for this moment. They had prayed asking God for healing, asking God for a miracle. However, it wasn't until Jesus arrived that he was raised to life. And I couldn't help but ask myself, why does God answer prayers? You know, what was it about Jesus's prayers that warranted a resurrection? So as you can tell, the title of our lesson this morning is Why God Answers Prayers. You know, before we uh, jump in, you know, I've just got to say, if there's one thing I just love, it's answered prayers. You know, I appreciate uh, Karen sharing earlier uh, about her answered prayers. Uh, about, you know, gaining, uh, gaining residency here in uh, the United States. You know, I'm not sure there's anything better on earth than answered prayers. You know, you get the feeling, the assurance that God hears you when you pray. You know what I mean? The God who created the universe. Like, you're alive because of this guy. Take a deep breath. You know, that breath came from God. And when you pray, amazing, guys. You know, this morning we're going to find out why. Okay, what is it about God, or about Jesus, rather, that, that God would answer his prayers? And the first point this morning is that Jesus' prayers were answered 
because of his obedient life. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7, it says, During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. You know, Jesus' prayers were heard because of his submission to God and his submission to God's word. You know, nothing is more important than this. God answers the prayers of those who obey his commands. Amen? You know, even in James it says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Again, the prayer of the righteous are the prayers that God wants to answer. And it doesn't get much more simple than that. God answers the prayers of those who are living an obedient life to him. You know, at my parents' house uh, growing up, we have a, a bunch of trees in the yard. And uh, both the front yard and the backyard are covered by these huge, beautiful oak trees. And uh, they're great. You know, in the summer, they provide a lot of shade, uh, help to keep everything cool. And uh, however, in the wintertime, uh, fall rolls around and all those leaves fall, right? And they just completely cover the yard. So growing up, uh, just about every Saturday, uh, it seems like from October through January, uh, would be spent picking up leaves. And, uh, you know, even if I had friends come over and stay the night, uh, my dad was excited to get my friends out there, help pick up leaves. May have lost a few friends that way. Not too sure. But, uh, but I remember one Saturday in particular. Uh, my dad wakes us up early in the morning. Saturday, you're supposed to sleep in. But uh, we wake up early, and we're out all day picking up leaves, putting them in a bag. Picking up leaves, putting them in a bag. And, uh, and by the time we're done for the day, uh, I was honestly ready to leave the house, right? Uh, you're like, I got to get out of here. So, uh, so I called up some friends, and, uh, and we decided to go watch a movie. So I get ready to go. Uh, but before I leave, I go to my dad, and I ask him, Dad, can I have some money to go to the movies, right? Maybe get something to eat. And uh, you know what my dad said? He said, of course, I'll give you some money. And uh, you may be like, well, what's the point of the story? You know, it's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> yes, yeah, stick with me here. You know, it's amazing that, okay, I love my dad. Uh, I obeyed what he asked. Uh, I picked up the leaves in the yard. So he decided to give me what I asked for. And uh, he probably doesn't even remember this. But that stuck in my mind uh, that, you know what, if I obey him, uh, he, he's going to be nice, right? He's, he's, <laughs> he's going to give me good things. That's, uh, that's an important thing to understand. Teens, take, uh, take some note there. 
You know, but this is, again, this is exactly how God is with us. When we obey him and follow him, he gives us good things. You know, God wants to bless us. We see that repeatedly throughout the Bible. However, the truth is, sometimes God doesn't listen to our prayers. I'll say that again. Sometimes God doesn't listen to our prayers. Sometimes when we pray, God will actually tune us out. In Psalm 66, verse 18, it says, If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. When you, no. Hello. Oh, my goodness. This is, oh, there we go. Amen. <laughs> there is some sin in the sound equipment. <laughs> when you hold on to sin, God will not listen to your prayers. You know, can you believe that? You know, I always thought, okay, all I've got to do, open up my mouth, start talking, and God's going to listen. But you know what? Honestly, some of you are wasting time praying to God. You know, some of you have wasted weeks and months and years praying to God. And your prayers are actually becoming annoying to him. You know, because of the sin in your life, God is disgusted with your prayers. You know, in Amos chapter 5, it says... Your worship is like a stench to me. We're going this way. Oh, awesome. They've been trying to get my attention back there for a while, I'm sure. Um, we're all over the place. Amos chapter 5 says, your worship is like a stench to me. Uh, you know, it's, it's amazing to, to think about at times, God is literally appalled that you would even approach him. You know, some of you are, are trying to lay your request before God, but you're constantly angry with your kids. You're trying to lay your quest before God, uh, but you had too much to drink last weekend. Uh, or, or you're looking at or sleeping around with a woman who isn't your wife. You know, some of you, maybe you haven't given contribution in weeks, but you want to go to God and ask him for a favor. You know, let me ask you this. If you were stealing money from me, would you have the nerve to approach me and ask me for a favor? Uh, ask me to, to borrow my truck? You know, you've got to realize you're stealing from God. The, uh, the, the girl you just looked at is a daughter of God. And you want to approach him and ask him for something? And then sometimes you want to take someone else with you <laughs> to, to say, hey, pray for me? Then you put them in a bad situation. Let's read another verse here. You know, uh, this verse really hit me this past week. 
Um, if I can be honest with you guys, can I be real with you guys for a minute? Um, Janelle and I have, uh, have been getting along less than usual this week. You know what I mean? Like, there's been a little conflict in the Bartlow household. And, um, and I needed this verse. It's 1 Peter 3, verse 7. It says, Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them re- with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. It says, do this so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Some of you guys were like, oh, that's why God hasn't been answering my prayers. I've been a jerk to my wife. I'm going to leave that one there. You know, brothers and sisters, <laughs> it, it speaks for itself. If we want God to answer our prayers, it's got to start with a righteous life. We've got to be obedient to God's word. The second reason uh, Jesus' prayers were answered was because of his rock-solid faith. You know, even before Jesus left to go back to Judea, he said he would go and wake Lazarus up from his sleep. That's a bold statement. I'm going to go and wake him up from his sleep. You know, Jesus had astounding confidence in God. Jesus was the original circle maker, if you will. You know, he was circling that tomb in prayer long before he ever left for Bethany. You know, I, uh, I imagine Jesus coming up to the tomb. Uh, as he approaches the tomb, again, you know, he calls out, Lazarus, come out. Think about how much confidence and how much faith that must have taken to call Lazarus out of the tomb. You know, can you imagine the embarrassment if he had said it and then Lazarus didn't come out? You know, that is some crazy faith. You know, this is, uh, this is nothing new. Uh, you read it over and over again in Scripture. Faith is what answers prayers. In Matthew chapter 17, verse 20, it says, Truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. You know, we've heard this verse before, right? Let me ask you guys, how many of you have actually uh, tested this verse? How many of you have actually prayed for a mountain to move? Be honest. Uh, You know, maybe uh, there's not many mountains around here, so maybe you asked for God to move a mountain to Dallas or something. You know, I've got to be honest. I've done this uh, on more than one occasion. I've prayed for God to move a mountain. You know, my uh, grandparents live in Colorado, and uh, one time in particular, I can remember, uh, you know, I'm just pouring my heart out up in Colorado, and God, you know, move this mountain. I believe you can do it, and I was praying so hard, it's like you want to kind of imagine you saw it, right? Okay, I think I got just like an inch, (laughs) 
But the truth is, is if you want uh, God to answer your crazy prayers, you've got to have crazy faith. Um, are you stretching yourself in your prayer life? You know, it takes faith to put a bold prayer out there. And uh, I'm grateful for uh, one of our uh, campus interns, Jamal. And, uh, you know, I, I started out the year uh, kind of putting a, uh, a vision, a goal before the campus of uh, what I want to see, how much I want to see our ministry grow this year. And uh, I started praying for that. Uh, but Jamal's been praying for like double my goal, right? Uh, he like one-upped me. And, uh, and I'm like, you know what? Amen. Um, because that is some crazy faith that God is going to answer our prayers. You know, I'm asking everybody to look over to the left here for a second. Everybody see the balloon on the wall over here? You see the, the blue balloon? Some of you guys were wondering, like, what's this balloon up here for? So, you guys, I've got a slingshot here. And um, I've got a slingshot. You guys sit still. You'll, you'll be okay. And, uh, and I've got a dart, okay? Now, let me get a show of hands. How many of you think I can hit that balloon with this dart? Um, that's pretty good. We got a, we got a good number. Now, now let me ask you this. How many of you are willing to go and hold up your hand, uh, hold, hold the balloon up while I take a shot at it? I see a lot of the, like, younger, uh, <laughs> younger folks, uh, raising their hand. Um, Okay, let's take it a step further here. Now, how many of you guys are willing to take that balloon and stick it between your teeth while I take a shot at it? Um, you guys are impressive for sure. Um, I'm not going to do that. Uh, I was going to bring like some safety glasses and, uh, but I decided that'd probably be a bad idea. <laughs> you know, who, who actually had faith I could hit the balloon? The ones who held up their hands in the beginning or the ones who had them up at the end? You know, you see, many people raised their hands at first, but nobody really had that much faith that I could hit that balloon. Uh, and the ones who did are crazy. Um, you know, but I think this is exactly how it is with our prayer lives. You know, I believe a lot of us pray. Uh, and some of us even believe that God could answer our prayers. Yet only a few prayers are actually answered. We've got to have crazy faith if we want God to answer our prayers. You know, in James chapter 1, verse 6, it says, But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person 
should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. When there is doubt, God is not going to answer. You know, if you're asking God, but you're just kind of throwing the prayer out there, not really much confidence, I can guarantee you God will not answer that prayer. There's just no way. You know, I've loved reading the, uh, the Draw the Circle book, right? Um, you know, the past few weeks, it's been really uh, inspiring and I think uh, really given me a refreshed uh, prayer life. And I want to w- read you one of, the, uh, one of the passages I really like the most. It says, 50 years ago, a Mississippi drought threatened to destroy a season of crops. A rural church with many farmers in the congregation called for an emergency prayer meeting. Dozens of farmers showed up to pray. Most of them wore their traditional overalls, but one of them wore waders. He got a few funny looks, just like Noah did when he was building the ark. But isn't that faith at its finest? If we genuinely believe God is going to answer our prayer for rain, isn't that exactly what we should wear? Why not dress for a miracle? And I love the simple childlike faith of that old seasoned farmer. He simply said, I don't want to walk home wet. And sure enough, he didn't, but everybody else did. You know, brothers and sisters, it's time to put some waders on and start praying with some rock-solid faith. Amen? Amen. Amen. The third and final reason Jesus' prayers were answered was because of his approach with gratitude. You know, when they took away the stone from Lazarus' grave, Jesus said, Father, I thank you. Not, Father, I ask you, uh, or Father, would you please, or Father, I need, or Father, I want, but Father, I thank you. If you want God to answer your prayers, you've got to approach with gratitude. You know, it amazed me when I look back at this verse and realize Jesus' words here. Realize how he started that prayer. You know, before Lazarus was even raised, uh, before he even raised his head, he was grateful to God for answering his request. You know, this idea of gratitude Uh, Coming to God with gratitude is written all across the Bible, but I think specifically in the Psalms. In Psalm 69, verse 30, it says, I will praise God's name in song and glorify him with thanksgiving. In Psalm 95, it says, let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. In 100 verse 4, it says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Are you coming to God with gratitude or with entitlement? 
You know, I've got to be honest with you guys here. There have been many times uh, where I start to pray, and I'm asking God, and I'm laying requests before God, and halfway through my prayer, all of a sudden I remember, okay, God, all right, thank you for this, and thank you for that. And then I go right on asking God to work. And uh, maybe I'm the only one that struggles with that. Maybe I'm the only one that does that. Uh, I tend to think not. In, uh, in his book, Ray Steadman tells of an experience uh, a man named H.A. Ironside had uh, in a crowded restaurant one day. It says, just as Ironside was about to begin his meal, a man approached and asked if he could join him. Ironside invited him to have a seat. Then, as was his custom, Ironside bowed his head in prayer. When he opened his eyes, the other man asked, Do you have a headache? Ironside replied, No, I don't. The other man asked, Well, is there something wrong with your food? Ironside replied, No. I was simply thanking God, as I always do before I eat. (laughs) The man said, Oh, you're one of those, are you? Well, I want you to know, I never give thanks. I earn my money by the sweat of my brow, and I don't have to give thanks to anybody. I just start right in. Ironside nodded his head and said, wow, that's exactly what my dog does too. (laughs) Thanking God should not be an afterthought. You know, unless you want to have a prayer life like a dog, we've got to approach God with gratitude. Amen? I love this verse in Philippians chapter 4. In verse 4 it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, With thanksgiving, present your requests to God. You know, are you rejoicing about the blessings God has brought into your life? Are you enjoying, are you rejoicing in what God has given you? You know, how do you expect God to give you more if you're not even grateful for what you already have? And, you know, not only should we thank God for what he's already done, but, but Jesus was thanking God for things he had yet to done. You know, I've really been trying to embrace this in my prayer life this year. You know, one of the prayers I probably ask God for the most is to build an awesome campus ministry here in our region and in the Dallas church as a whole. And uh, you're probably like, that's a good thing. You lead the campus ministry, so I would hope you pray for that. Um, But, you know, I continually ask God to multiply our ministry. I ask God, you know, my prayer has been amaze and perplex us by the way you move. But each time before I ask God to bring in the harvest for this year, I've remembered to thank him for the blessings he gave us last year. And uh, I thank him for prayers he's already answered, right? I thank him for answered prayers like Reuben and Stephanie that were up here sharing the welcome. I thank him for, for guys like Clarence and Cody and for Leah and uh, Savannah. And I thank him for every one of the students 
in our ministry. You know, after studying this out, I, I made the decision, you know, I'm going to pick just a couple names, uh, you know, just at random, and start thanking God for adding them to our ministry. You know, I haven't met them yet. Uh, I have no idea what they look like. But I was like, you know what, I'm going to start thanking God for these people that I don't even know who they are. And I want to leave you with this challenge today. In every prayer you begin this week, begin with, Father, I thank you. And I call you to choose to give gratitude to God for five things before you make any requests. Um, Honestly, this is simple, guys. But I believe approaching God with gratitude will really change our prayer lives. And it will definitely uh, keep us from becoming like dogs in our prayer lives. Oh, man. You know, as we close out today, uh, I want to go back to the beginning of this story. And uh, there is something else that stands out about Jesus and the resurrection of Lazarus. We've really got to understand here. Before they make the journey to Judea, this is what Jesus tells his disciples. In John 11, verse 14, it says, So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. You know, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad, is what Jesus says. Uh, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad. And I was thinking about making that the title of my lesson this morning, but I thought I might lose you from the beginning. Uh, why in the world would Jesus make a statement like this? Lazarus is dead, and I am glad. You know, here's the reason why. It says, so that you may believe. You know, Jesus had the faith to wait two days before going to Bethany. Jesus had the faith to let Lazarus sit four days in the tomb to drag his sisters and friends back to the gravesite and to thank his father in heaven so that you may believe. You know, I think God answered Jesus' prayers because his purpose was to produce believers. You know, in everything Jesus did or said, His intention was to lead others to believe in him. Brothers and sisters, what are the intentions of your prayer requests? Is it your purpose to inspire others or to encourage yourself? You know, are your prayers about God's purpose or about your own? You know, I think ultimately... Lazarus' resurrection was just an added bonus that day. Are you guys with me? It, it was just an extra, like the, the cherry on top. You know, I believe Jesus was excited about his friend coming back to life, but I think he was more excited about this verse right here. In verse 45, it says, Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did 
believed in him. You know, I could be wrong, but I think this was the primary prayer request of Jesus that day. And uh, as we walk away today, you know, obviously, I want you to live obedient lives, right? I want you to have rock-solid faith in God that he can answer. And I want you to approach his throne with gratitude. But even more importantly, God answers the prayers that are about his purpose and not our own. Amen?